I just got stuck in a bogey train. Hey there, everybody. Greetings to installment 31 of the Bogey Train podcast. Got your host, Nick, here with just Jangs today. Jangs, what's good? What's good? Another another episode of the Bogey Train. It's been a couple weeks again. Um, but as always, I'm excited. Excited to be back, talk some golf. You know, we we actually have some personal golf to talk this time. The weather's getting a little nicer. Finally. Uh, which is which is always nice. No, Noah. Um, I haven't heard from that guy in a while, actually. Um but we're pretty much used to that at this point, right? Yeah, he might show up. He might not. Uh, I'm going to let you kind of do the intro quick. I'm going to go get something to drink. I forgot to. Well, sounds good. So, Jengs is grabbing something to drink. Uh, it's been a couple weeks since we recorded, I think. Um, it was just after the Mexico Open. We talked a little bit about Tony Finau. We talked about my U.S. Open qualifier. Uh, hopefully, it didn't bore you to death with all those details, but uh, so we got a few things on the docket for today. We're going to preview the PGA Championship because it is a major week. Um, big things going on up in upstate New York. Um, there's some other stuff we're going to talk about. Uh, we we played 18 holes uh, together recently. Uh, we're getting into some golf statistics, uh, sort of tracking our own stats and our own golf games. We'll kind of go over what we have um, discovered, I guess, in that area of things. And we're going to do something special this time. We're going to, uh, we were having a a discussion in our group chat the other day, uh, discussing what we would have as our champions dinner if we won the masters. So today, Jengs and I are going to go over the full menu that we would have at the champions dinner if we were to win the Masters, which um, I wouldn't bet on. I think our chances are pretty good. I mean, I do have a green jacket. Uh, so that's that's really what started this whole debate. Uh, a couple of my students, as their parting gift, got me a replica green jacket. Um, so that's what started the whole debate, the whole discussion. And uh, we'll we'll kind of talk about our results here on the show today. Yeah, I'm curious. Uh, yeah, I'm just curious what you're what you're going to think of mine. I'm excited to hear your full spread, and uh, yeah, I think it. I think that'll be fun. So yeah, it's always kind of a difficult thing. Like, uh, you know, thinking about yours. You know, are you going to go something local, something that is kind of our our region and what we I've eat defi- around I've here? I've definitely got some local flair. And see, I I kind of tried to go hybrid. Like, I tried to throw some local in. But I also just had to go with some of my uh, my personal favorites in there as well, so it'll it'll be a little interesting to see uh, what we what we came up with. Alexa Lampard, you know, just talking about uh, the last couple of weeks since we have you know there's a few things we've missed since since last recording. Um, but just one thing I want to note, we could touch very briefly on the Wells Fargo, because I don't think we've touched on that. Wyndham Clark won. And I just want to say, Data Golf continues to win. Um, there have been some other people in the golf 
media world, golf podcasting world over the last few years that have been very high on data golf and strokes gained and looking at the stats. And that's sort of how you determine, you know, how good the players are and things like that. And I don't know, I wouldn't, I don't know if I was necessarily skeptical for the longest time, but I thought, you know, maybe they're putting a little too much stock in, you know, all these different statistics and analytics, but, uh, you know, I'm more and more convinced. So what I'm getting at is Wyndham Clark was, I think he was ranked somewhere between 15 and 20 in data golf before his uh, Wells Fargo win. And he was certainly not that high in the OWGR. I think he he's up to 32 now after his win. So um, data golf is definitely a way to identify, you know, how good players really are playing because he wasn't really on my radar. I had just been perusing some of the stats, looking at data golf. I'm sort of stuck out like, wow, Wyndham Clark. I mean, he must be, he must be striking and he must be playing pretty well. And then uh, lo and behold, he goes out and wins in convincing fashion. I think he won by four shots uh, at yeah. the Wells Fargo, which was a designated event, phenomenal field. And uh, so, yeah, I just, I, that was, that was my takeaway. Yeah, you look at the uh, the data golf rankings from May 1st, which I believe would have been the week of the Wells Fargo, <clears throat> the week leading yes. up to. Yep. He was he was ranked 80th in the world at the time, uh, but 28th in the data golf rankings. So, you know, this this data golf is is very accurate. Uh looking at kind of some of the guys up there. Uh obviously, you know, we're a little biased here, but a guy like Ricky Fowler, who didn't make the masters cause he wasn't top 50 in the world, but you know, being top 30, top 25 in the data golf rankings just kind of goes to show the, uh, the form that he's in. And, you know, you've got some other guys up there, Sahith, uh, you know, who surprisingly is like top 25 in the world, OWGR, but also top 25, uh, on the data golf rankings as well. It's just uh, you know, it is it is crazy how how accurate it is. You know, Where you look at Igala. I don't know why I can't um, find him. On the most recent one, he is Oh, 32. he's at 32. 32. Yep. So 25 OWGR. Yep. But you you look at the rankings right now. Uh the the data golf rankings, you got John Rom, Scotty Scheffler, who you know are are two of the top guys in the world, two of the top players. Xander, who's been playing extremely well. Patrick Cantlay, who's been playing extremely well. Tony Finau, who just got a win. Um, Jason Day, who just got a win, is at nine. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of these guys that are playing very well are at the top, and that's what you want to see in this data golf ranking. Yeah, and obviously these days there's a lot of chatter, a lot of it coming from um, you know the live camp but about OWGR being obsolete and all this sort of thing. Like, I wonder, first of all, do you think, do you think the days of relying on OWGR for things like exemptions into majors and things like that are, are numbered? And do you think data golf could be something going forward that is used to, uh, you know, I guess, sort of replace the way OWGR has been viewed over the years as the real ranking system and um, should actually be used to determine fields for some of the biggest tournaments in the game. 
Yeah, I definitely think that's an interesting point. Um, you know, the the argument is that OWGR has become obsolete. Uh, you look at, you know, the biggest example that we've had kind of for about a year and a half now with the live guys. Uh, and the live guys are not earning OWGR. They're all just dropping majorly down the list. I mean, you look at Dustin Johnson, he's number 82 in the world golf rankings right now. Um, and you've got the data golf rankings and he is 19th. Do I think it's something that'll happen soon? Probably not. Uh, I don't think that'll be a change that we made, you know, this year, next year, but you know, you start looking five years down the road or so I could definitely see maybe a changing of the guard. Um, you know, just like with, with college football, how we had the BCS and we kind of evolved into the CFP. Uh, you know, I could see something maybe like that, or maybe uh, it'll be a hybrid of the two. Maybe they'll take top 50 OWGR and top 50 data golf or something like that. Um, you know, just uh, as a, as a mix, because I do think there is kind of a place for the OWGR. Um, I mean, and know, to be fair, if you took top 50 from both, there'd be a heck of a lot of crossover because there yes. aren't that many, even with data golf, which takes live into account, there really aren't that many live guys in the top 50 anyway. Um, so there, I mean, you know, there'd maybe be 10 guys, 10 to 15 guys, maybe that are top 50 in data golf that aren't top 50 in OWGR. Yeah, and there's I'm kind of looking, just kind of scrolling, you know, besides the live guys, um there there's not really a whole lot of difference. Like Denny McCarthy is up there. Uh Taylor Gooch is a live guy. Uh Patrick Reed's live, Mido's live, Gooch, Charles Gooch Howell's and, live. Yeah, Gooch, Kepka, Live, and Pereira and Howell. There's yeah. five in a row that are live guys. Uh Brendan Todd, is he a live guy now? Nope. So Brendan Todd, uh, and, and you can check have you, cause can you see those, um, colored bubbles on there? Yeah. So if you hover over them, it shows oh, okay. where they're getting their, where they're getting their points from. It shows which okay. two are the majors. I did not know that. Um, but yeah, you get to like, even, uh, is it Steven Stefan Jaeger? Steven Jaeger. You know, that's yeah. probably the biggest one. He's number 117 in the world, but he's 48th in the, uh, the data. That's, golf. that's actually pretty surprising. Uh, and, um, you know, kind of looking at the opposite, uh, guys like Harris English, he's 69th in data golf, 37th in the OWGR, uh, Lucas yeah. Herbert, 82nd in data golf and 46 in OWGR. Uh, so same. the big thing I've noticed with data golf is it's, it's a lot better at, at being accurate and up to date, which yeah. with being a more accurate reflection of which players really are playing the best. Like for example, um, and it works in both directions. So we could, t- we could look at Cam Smith. So as far as the, um, OWGR, he's still in the top 10, he's still at eight. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, he hasn't played, he hasn't played good golf in quite a while. I think he was in the mix actually at Tulsa for live, but before that he hadn't really contended in the live events and obviously hadn't played in any, you know, big championships since late last summer, probably. Uh, and so he's, he's down to 18 in data golf. So it, I think it's just more up to date and, and OWGR can be slower to react, uh, which is probably, you know, it, 
I mean, it can work to a player's detriment and to a player's um, advantage. Like for example, like we, like we always talk about Ricky, uh, data golf had him well inside the top 50 by the, by the time Augusta rolled around, but just the way, the way the numbers shake out for OWGR, he, um, and the way he was playing, he just didn't get enough high finishes to move up as quickly as he needed to, but he's at, he's at 20 now in data golf and OWGR is lagging a little behind there. I mean, he's at 49 now. And so, and there, there's other examples you could point to, but I think it just is a more up to date and accurate reflection of, yeah. of where things are at. And I don't know. Sometimes you can sort of identify, you know, who really is paying attention and who is sort of just going off of narratives because I saw a lot, um, you know, some golf publications recently where, you know, when Ricky broke into the top 50 after his finish at Wells Fargo saying, okay, you know, Ricky's back in the top 50 for the OWGR, which is a big deal because if you're in the top 50, you're, you're in every major. And, you know, a lot of, I saw a lot of comments and they were just saying, well, that's only because all of the live guys that dropped out and Ricky isn't like, if you actually think Ricky's a top 50 player in the world, like you're crazy. He just benefited from the live guys sliding. Right. But it's like, um, no, actually look at data golf. He's actually ranked too low for how well he's been playing. So I, I thought yeah. that was a, that was a funny thing. I, I saw a lot of I, people, Ricky's getting some hate. I would kind of echo your statement. I would say that, you know, data golf is probably a more accurate representation, like, uh, for, for recency, you know, how are they trending? Are they trending up, trending down? Um, and you were going through examples and I saw Kurt Kitayama on there. Kurt Kitayama is 21st in the world because he had his maiden win at Bay Hill this year. Uh, but he's a hundredth in, in data golf. So while the, the, uh, Data golf is more so, you know, how are they trending recently? I think the OWGR is more kind of based on consistency, you know, going two years back, taking your last 40 events or whatever the number is. Um, it's looking more at, at consistency that way. I mean, so, you could probably, yes, you could probably say it that way, but you could also even word it that data golf might be <laughs> considering consistency more because, like yeah. A guy like Kurt Kitayama, the event, the week he had a really good week was Bay Hill. And it was obviously a designated event. He like great field. He got a ton of world ranking points just from that week, which is, which is really boosting his, his, uh, his ranking as far as OWGR goes. But, uh, for data golf, it's really taken into like the wider picture of, you know, how has he been playing? And, you know, other than the week that he won, there hasn't been a ton from Kurt Kitayama in the past number of months, you could say six, seven, eight months. So, um, whereas we'll use Ricky as the example again. I mean, he's, he hasn't won any tournaments like Kurt Kitayama, but he hasn't, he hasn't had a bad week in a long time. So mm -hmm. I, you know, you could also make the argument that data golf is favoring consistency even more. Just yeah, because and, Ricky doesn't have those splash weeks where you get a ton of points like Kitayama had, but he's just sort of, you know, steadily playing pretty well every week. Yeah, because I, I kind of looking at the website, so it looks like they base it off of their trends and strokes gained over the last hundred rounds. Um, and then use that to give them an index, which is relative to their recent performances to the average PGA tour field. Uh, and you look at Ricky's trend, you know, kind of his 
between 50 and 100 rounds ago, he was just kind of hovering around that zero strokes gain number. But as we've been getting more recent, he's getting into the plus ones. He's getting into the plus one and a halves. He's getting almost to the plus twos. Uh, He's been definitely trending up in his last, you know, 30 or so rounds, which is what's seeing him jump up that data golf ranking. Um, And like, you can just kind of look at the different graphs and there's a lot of guys who kind of have these big swings there. I mean, Xander Schauffele, he, his worst is a 1.54 average. And that was 90 rounds ago. Everything else is, you know, in the twos, two and a half, almost three. And that's why why he's so high up there. So it's a lot more based on strokes gained and how you're actually, you know, performing on the course statistically rather than how you're finishing events, mm-hmm. which I think is definitely more of a telltale sign, uh, you know, who's playing well. Because obviously Ricky was not winning events this year, but he was playing much better golf than we had seen in years prior, which is, yeah. And I I could definitely see someone making the argument the other way as in, you know, how much, how much does it mean to actually close a tournament? Right. So according to data golf and the statistics, they would say, you know, clearly Fowler has had a better year than Kitayama, but you know, some people, they might say, well, you know, Ricky hasn't closed the deal in any tournaments and Kitayama won one of the biggest tournaments on the schedule. So who it it really depends on how much you value winning over just like consistently playing solid golf is is sort of the, the difference that I'm seeing in OWGR versus data golf. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what, what I would agree with. Um, And, you know, as it pertains to the live guys, you know, how they have it compared to an average PGA tour field. Their, uh, their numbers are not great. Uh, you look at Charles Howell, the third, who won the first two live events, didn't he this season? Um, um, he won the first one. I think he was in the mix for the second one. He didn't know it, it was Taylor Gooch that one back to back. Yes. But Charles Howell, you know, he's sitting around like a, a plus plus. average which is is not great and people are saying that he's you know playing the best golf in the world right now and he should be jumping up the world rankings um yeah you know a lot of people are saying he should have got a special invite to the masters yeah taylor gooch you know people were saying the same thing after he won back to back and his strokes gained per round was only around like one and a half as compared to a typical pga tour field he wasn't actually you know, relative to tour average was not playing that, that grade of golf. Right. Which is, yeah. Which sort of, it really makes you take with a grain of salt when you see guys playing really well on live. I know, especially at the masters when Brooks won the week before, and then he was in the mix at the masters. I think a lot of people looked at that and said, like, okay, if a live player is playing well, then, you know, they can definitely be in the mix at the majors. And I'm not saying they can't, However, I think that was, I think Brooks is sort of in a category all his own to where he's just known for showing up at the majors. And so it'll be interesting to see how Taylor Gooch plays this week because, you know, 
a lot of the live people are saying, well, yeah, he, you know, he won back-to-back times and all this sort of thing. I think he shot back-to-back 62s down in Australia. Like mm-hmm. he's clearly playing some of the best golf in the world, according, you know, you would think according to these people, but um, so yeah, it'll be really interesting to see how he plays this week. And then, you know, he ended up not getting his, his spot in the U S open, you know, and people thinking that was whatever you think about what the USGA did there. And, you know, I could, I could, I understand why people, you know, aren't a fan of what the USGA did in that circumstance, but either way, it's not as if, you know, one of the top five players in the world is not going to be at the U S open. I mean, Taylor Gooch, he won back to back events. Good for him. He has made a ton of money, but you know, he's, he's not among the game's elite right now. Yes. Uh, you know, I would, I would agree on that sense. Um, and I, I kind of, maybe not the greatest comparison, but I compare it to like, you know, if you go out and shoot, 64 at your local muni and you're just like oh i shot 64 i'm good enough i could go on tour um obviously the the level of competition on your local muni is not a pga tour standard course you know shooting 64 at my home course is really it's not even close to even putting me on the pga tour um there there's guys who are playing mini tours who come and play my home course who shoot 64 63 there and they're not even close to making it on well yeah and did i tell you about this d3 player that was in the field uh you mentioned uh, it a little Byron nelson last week so he won the he played d3 at carnegie mellon he was you know throughout his senior year basically a top three player in all of division three and so he ended up winning the byron nelson award his name is uh will canout and he was the first D3 player to win it since 2008. And so winning the award, you get an invite to play in the Byron Nelson. Uh, he's a PhD student, so he doesn't get the time to practice like he used to. He knew he was going to be a little bit rusty, but I think a week or two before he was out playing and he shot a 63. Um, I don't know exactly where it was that he, that he played, um, but he proceeded to get second to last in in the event at the Byron Nelson, which is one of the weakest fields of the year so far. But you know who he beat? (laughs) Yes. I do know who he beat. Uh, A a certain Richard Johnson. Yeah, good old Dick Johnson. Uh, But yeah, so I mean, it just sort of shows, right? I mean, how good the tour players really are, Mm -hmm. even, even the ones who aren't at the top. No, and it just goes to what, to what you were saying. I mean, the scores you're shooting doesn't necessarily matter. It kind of, you know, depends where and in what context. Yeah. I, I heard a, a, a thing describing the PGA tour. It was somebody on a show describing what watching the PGA tour is like. And they said, basically imagine somebody going out and hitting 60 absolute perfect shots in a row, doing everything that they could correctly uh, and still missing the cut by two or three. I mean, that's that's the level of competition on the PGA Tour. You could flush every single shot, put it right in your exact putt, uh, and you could still miss the cut. That's just how, how competitive it is out there and how many mm-hmm. good players there are because you may be hitting perfect shots. Somebody else is hitting perfect shots, and they're just better than you. And, you know, they're, they're going to make more birdies than you are. And that's, that's just how it works out there. Yeah. 
yeah, they're it is easy to forget how how unbelievable they are. Um, but do you have any anything else on the data golf stuff? I don't uh right now, you know, I'm kind of just scrolling down it. You've got some guys, Steve Stricker, 72 in the data golf rankings. 72? 72. Ludwig uh Aberg Aberg. Yeah. He's 94. Really? Oh, he's the yep. he's number one in the amateur rankings on yep. data. Gordon golf. Sargent is 107. Okay, that is crazy for them to be that high. I think that's probably that's I mean, probably they're above guys like Sep Straka, Doug Gim, yeah, Luke I, Liz, I just Jimmy Walker. Well, Jimmy Walker's kind of garbage. Austin Eckrow well, wasn't he in contention last week? Yeah, he was. Uh, Jimmy Walker hasn't been playing too bad actually. Yeah, he's this been year. back. Akshay, they're ranked higher than Akshay, and Akshay hasn't been playing terrible recently. No, yeah, that's that's probably. I don't think Gordon Sargent is better than Akshay Batia right now, but either way, so it sort of brings me to another uh, conversation that's getting really interesting at this point in the year, which is the Ryder Cup team, the U.S. Ryder Cup team. So there's probably either nine or ten spots that are locks. We're going to have Scotty. We're going to have Max. We're going to have Xander, Cameron Young, Jordan Spieth, Cantlay, Burns. Thomas, Morikawa, and Finau. So that's 10 guys that I'm pretty certain those guys are locks. So that leaves two two open spots. Um, I mean, if you're looking at data golf and going by strokes gained, I mean, does does Zach Johnson take a look at Wyndham Clark? I that's a, a great question. Um you know, who, who does he take a look at? Cause like, you know, you got a guy like Ricky who's playing great golf right now and he's 21st in the, in the uh, Ryder cup rankings. Um, you know, Wyndham Clark is up there in 11th right now. There, there's some options. You know, yeah. He, I think it's probably, I mean, if it ended right now, I think, Zach Johnson would have to choose between these three guys for two spots, Wyndham Clark, Sahith, and Ricky. I think looking at the list, I would agree. Uh, unless, you know, they somehow just decide to allow the live guys in in the next month and a half, um, which at some point you may have to start to take a look at Brooks. But Well, yeah, so here's the thing. Um with the live guys, it's not like they're not, I mean, they're just not earning any points, right? Except Brooks, yeah. you know, probably got some points at the masters, but they haven't been banned or anything. It's, no. it's just, it's, it's up to the captain if they would want to pick someone from live yeah, at this it, point, the is only the one Cup USGA it, or is it PGA of America, PGA of America. Um, now it's a little different for team Europe because it's, it's run by the, uh, the DP world tour, yeah. but I mean, the only guy on live that you would probably consider at this point is Brooks. And, that would be the only guy I would consider, yes. And from just like a the team room perspective, I mean, is Brooks someone you want there? Um, I mean, maybe the answer to that is yes. Maybe it's not. I'm just that that's kind of a genuine question, not necessarily just rhetorical. What a what about a Dustin Johnson? You know, is he not? 
playing I don't well think, enough. Uh, uh, unless he has, I think he'd he'd go over fine in a team in like in the team room aspect. Um, I don't think there's not that I necessarily think there's bad blood with Brooks and all this sort of thing, but I think DJ sort of, you know, just did his own thing, never really made any comments one way or the other. I think he'd go over fine in the team room. I don't think he has enough form. I mean, I say that when he's coming off a win, but I th- I mean, I think he'd have to have some very significant showings in the next three majors. Yes. For that um, to happen. Probably like probably a win. He'd probably have to win one of them. Um, or two but of this them. This is a really interesting thing. So we were talking about Ricky. Obviously, he's down a little lower in the rankings at 21. But over the past six months, he's had a better strokes gained than Justin Thomas, Max Homa, Jordan Spieth, and Sam Burns. So yeah, he's, I mean, he's definitely a guy. If I was picking right now, if I was Zach Johnson, um, you know, with the six that auto qualify, the other ones that I would probably be looking at would be uh, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa. Tony Finau. Yep. I'd take Ricky. Burns. And then uh You gotta have Burns. Yeah, Burns. And at that point I'm left with Sahith uh Sahith or Wyndham Clark. That's I, one of I, those things where my head tells me Wyndham Clark, but my heart would love to see Sahith play in the Ryder Cup. Like that would be awesome. Yeah, I, you know, Wyndham Clark is just on such a trend. If Wyndham Clark, uh, you know, if at the time that you had to pick, or if I was picking right now, I would pick Wyndham Clark based on his form recently. Uh, if he continued this form into, you know, when the actual captain's picks happen, obviously I think he'd be picked. Uh, but if he starts to fall off a little bit, uh, and Sahith, you know, continues playing well and just keeps building on this form, maybe sneaks a win in. Uh, I bet Sahith would be the guy over Wyndham Clark. I feel like Ricky should be a lock. I feel like it's just between one of the other two. You think Ricky is? is... I think he should. I. I mean, so he's if, playing. If there were no more events left, like right now, you'd be you'd be pretty certain that Zach Johnson would pick Ricky. I I would say that he would pick Ricky and uh, Wyndham Clark. If it was just down to what you're going to get on the course, no other factors like team room or anything, and you had one spot left, would you rather have Brooks or Ricky on your team right now? Ricky. Wow. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know about that one. I'm also thinking course fit, you know. Marco Simone. Brooks just kind of bombs it. He's kind of a bomb and gouge guy. I and don't know if that's going to Here's work. the thing. I became I became convinced of the strokes gained and ad- analytics way of the ca- doing the captain's picks from 2021 when, you know, there's a lot of back and forth over who should be the last guy for Team USA. Uh, you know, a lot of people Possibly present company. I'm not sure. I won't name names. Uh, we're thinking Kevin Kisner should probably get the last spot because of his, you know, 
match play pedigree and uh, just got that dog in him, you know, because he's the goat. And uh, but the whole uh, stats, the strokes gained, and the analytics and course fit, um, you know, led a lot of people to think uh, Scotty Scheffler is probably probably going to be a better pick, and uh, that clearly <clears throat> worked out. So uh, I, yeah. Which is crazy to think that just two years ago, he was the 12th man on the Ryder Cup team. Yeah, last captain's pick between him and Kevin Kisner. <clears throat> I wonder, yeah. I wonder and then he if, later if, takes if, down if, Kevin Kisner in the match play. I wonder if Captain Stricker really considered picking Kisner at all or not. I, I bet there was some thoughts in there. Because um, even at that point, didn't he have like a pretty decent Ryder Cup record? Like not he's, outstanding. He's never. But wasn't he's it? never. He's never played the Ryder Cup. He's never played the Ryder Cup. I think he's just played two Presidents Cups now. Maybe that's what it was. But hey, he got to play at Quail Hollow last year. You know he did. And I'm pretty. He got walloped last year. I think didn't he go like one and one or something? Yeah. Or, or... overall, Kevin Kisner's Presidents Cup record is fifty percent. He is 0-1-1 in singles, 1-0-1 in foursome, and 1-1-1 in uh, four-ball. You know who I think Zach Johnson should pick? Kevin Kisner. Patrick Reed. No. (laughs) Wouldn't that be something? (laughs) I want Patrick Reed to turn coat and go play for the British. They would not take him. You know he does? I think he still has his... What do they do with his lifetime membership on the DP World Tour? Um, I'm not up to speed with what's going on over there. Yeah, I don't know. Well, uh, should we talk about the PGA? Let's talk about the PGA. So on a scale of 1 to 10, what's your excitement level for the PGA this week? I'm always excited for all the majors. Um, You know, typically my master's excitement is at a 10. I'm sitting at maybe a a seven for the PGA. Um, You know, definitely will be something I will watch, especially Sunday. Um, You know, coming down the stretch, seeing who's going to win the course. I, from the videos, the pictures I've seen, the course looks sick. So that gets me really excited. It kind of gives me like old timey U S open vibes. Yeah. You know, from from the mid two thousands, where it would be at, uh, you know, uh, uh, a Beth Page Black or a uh, a Pinehurst before they completely revamped the course, something of that nature. Uh, so it's got me really excited uh, to watch the PGA this week. Yeah, I'm definitely excited. Um, it's it. There's been a, a number of times so far this week. It's only we're only a couple of days into it, but it's like, oh yeah, there is a major championship this week. You know, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't definitely doesn't have the same buzz that a Masters has, but you know that's probably unfair to compare the PGA to the Masters. But yeah, I'm hearing interesting things about the course. Um, I remember it a little bit back from 2013, but apparently there have been a ton of huge changes since then. So. You know, as far as that goes, I don't have a lot of context as far as the golf course. I'm trying to 
um, you know, just sort of look at it as we're, as we're discussing it. But yeah, the green complexes look really interesting. Um, you know, it's Rochester, New York in May. So there's going to be some chilly mornings. It seems like. And uh, which is probably yeah. good that Tiger's not in it. You know, I, I've been hearing that it could end up being a bomb and gouge situation. I hope that's, you know, like sort of like 2020 winged foot. I hope that's not the case, but we'll yeah, just have you, to, we'll have to see. You look at the course and tipped out championship tees. I mean, it's 7,300 yards, 7,400 yards, actually. And it's a par 70. Par right? 70, narrow fairways, uh, not a whole lot of scoring opportunities like par five wise. Uh, the par five on the front nine is 615. Yeah. The one on the back is 625. You've got a couple of 230 plus par threes. Oh, that's um, just crazy. I, and from looking at the scorecard, there's not a, or there's one par four in the 300s. Yeah. So just a, just a super long golf course, especially with, you know, when the players are playing in the morning and it could be, it's going to be 40s, low 50s. Yeah, I mean, that's going to, that's going to play extremely long. Yes. So yeah, having uh, I, I don't think I'm a fan of having multiple. I'm I'm barely, I'm not even a fan of having one par three that's two thirty. Let alone two part like yeah, isn't one of them two thirty and one of them's like two forty five or something? One's two thirty and one's two forty five. Uh, and I yeah, believe that's... somebody said that they were playing a practice round and one of them was into the win and they hit three wood and came up short or something like that. I think that was Fitzpatrick. Um, I think I yeah. saw that. Mm-hmm. Which is. You know, it's it's getting on Oakmont number eight territory, which is kind of a, a Mickey Mouse hole in itself. Number three at Marion. Yeah, like that's it's, you know, do you remember our state tournament we played as juniors where it was just 30 mile an hour gusts and uh, one of the holes, which is typically like 200 to 10 people were hitting three woods and drivers. I remember that. That's that was, it's just absurd. Like that's just it's not even golf at that point. And that's because we had a thirty mile an hour wind. This is just naturally, you know, a three wood for most people. Um, and the way we're discussing the course right now, how far removed does that seem from the fact that Jason Duffner won here in twenty thirteen? That's that's insane to think about. That you know. Beer gut dip in his lip. Jason Duffner was the the last major champion at this course. Um, because it, it doesn't necessarily seem like a course fit. And you know, I don't know how long the course was playing that week, but I've always been a fan of Duffner's swing. So I've I've definitely uh, quite a few times watched the highlights from that week. Duffner was so dialed in with his irons and wedges. It was an absolute masterclass. Like he basically had the putting yips and still won the PGA championship. It was a unbelievable course course played 7,100 that week. It was the exact same length it played in 2003. Uh, 2003 was 7,134. 2013 was 7,163. And now we've added almost 300 yards to that. So, yep. 
uh, par threes were not as long. It was 214 and 226. Now it's 230 and 245. So, of course, it's definitely been lengthened a little bit since uh, since back then. All right, you got any guys that you're looking at? Uh, somebody that can hit it far. Uh, you know, if I if I'm being honest this week, I I think this is going to be another good week for Brooks. Yeah, um, I could definitely see that. I think this will be probably a good week for a guy like uh, a John Rom. You know, I I did hear somebody said that they asked John Rom. Uh, when he was doing his preparation, you know, how difficult is it to prepare for this course? Because, you know, he translates everything into meters and then he has to do it based off of his Scottsdale yardages. And he said that he really likes this course because it's at about the same elevation as Torrey Pines, which he has good history at. Um, so, you know, John Rahm's a guy that I would look out for this week. And, well, uh, and it doesn't even matter what course you're playing at. John Rahm is always yeah. going to be a guy you're looking at. You say Tony Finau? Tony Finau. Um, so you're basically like listing like the top five guys in data golf. Pretty no, much. I only listed two of the top fives in data golf. Okay. But two of them are guys that I, you know, well, all three of them are guys that I really like. Uh, I, I just heard some, I heard him talking about Tony Finau today, uh, talking about his, his pure power that he has if he tried to unleash it. And it just really makes me think he can still hit it far and he doesn't use everything. It is, it is crazy, actually, how much Finau throttles back. Yeah, because, I mean, his ball speed like, is probably 170, 180. Uh, and if you his, remember back to when Bryson was on his whole beefed-up long drive shtick, uh, Tony Finau did post a tweet or an Instagram post back at him where he hit, like, 210 ball speed. Yeah, he can definitely do that, which which is is wild how much he does throttle back because his his driving distance is like I don't even I don't even think he's like top 70 on tour. Uh which is pretty wild. So so my DraftKings lineup this week. So obviously, you know, you can't just really pick and choose from the top guys in the field. We've got a got a strict strict $50,000 salary budget I got to use. So I've managed to build a roster of guys I feel pretty good about. So I've got uh, Scotty Scheffler because he's always in the mix. Even if he's not putting well, he'll ball strike the course to death. Um, My next guy, Cameron Young, phenomenal driver of the ball. That's obviously uh, a big advantage this week, except he did shave his beard. So that's a little concerning. Ooh, could it be a Samson's hair situation? You never know. Uh, Adam Scott, sneaky, playing really well right now. Very well. Um, Ricky. Uh, Keith Mitchell, really good driver of the ball. Has played some okay golf this year, but um, I think he's a top 20 strokes gained off the tee on tour. Might even be higher, top 10. Um, and then Gary Woodland again, sneaky playing pretty playing good. Sneaky well. So I, I feel pretty good about this lineup. I have just a few. I, I do wish I could have found a way to get Xander in my lineup and also Brooks, but to get either one of those guys, I probably would have had to 
get uh, Scotty out of there and move some guys around. So to be able to have Scotty in the lineup, I feel uh, feel pretty good about what I was able to piece together. So with you mentioning your guys, me mentioning my guys, uh, we've already had one major this year. I I just compiled a list of of five players that I would like to talk about for this week. Uh, just what your thoughts are, um, you know, based on recent performance, how they performed at the Masters. You know, how are you feeling about them this week? And there might even be more than five guys on this list. I'm just kind of going to make it up as I go. Number one, finished tied for second at the 2023 Masters. 2021 PGA champion, Phil Mickelson. Is this is this I, uh, not a, is this not a fit for Phil type fairways long? I I don't I don't think so at all. I think it's a horrible course fit. I the thing about Augusta is obviously I didn't see that coming, but he's played there well enough before that it's not it's not completely like shocking that he would play good golf there. Mm-hmm. But if Phil showed up at Oak Hill and was in the mix, that would thoroughly shock me. Mm-hmm. I would agree. I would agree. Uh, um, secondly, oh, sorry, continue. Um, I'm going to throw one out. I don't have him in my lineup. You're going to steal one of my guys. It, uh, maybe, maybe not. It was just a guy I mentioned earlier in the year. I probably shouldn't even bring this up because it was a bold prediction. Oh. Uh, Mr. Keegan. Yeah, Keegan Bradley. Bradley. I, I said uh, he's going to win a huge event this year, maybe even the PGA. I believe I he said the, the players or the PGA. I said I was thinking, yeah, that's sort of sort of the the level of event I was looking at. I'm thinking either the players or the PGA. Um, I don't hate the course fit. He's a great ball striker. Um, and I just want to throw that out as a dark horse. I if someone wanted to throw a little nuggies on uh, uh, Keegan Bradley for this week, I I would not fault you for that at all. Form wise, you know, 28th in data golf rankings, um, 22nd in the OWGR. Uh, has been playing well recently. You know, I, I definitely would say he's one to watch this week. Um, you know, if you're a, if you're a betting man, one that you maybe do want to throw a, a few units on just also to a uh, former see PGA what champion. Uh, he is. Uh, it looks like Keegan is at 125 to one. Ooh. So I, I think that's, well, some are having him at a hundred to one. Either way, both still pretty, uh, pretty good odds. If you if you can get him at one hundred and twenty five to one, I think that's that's really good value. Um, so my second guy, this is definitely going to end up being more than uh, being more than five guys. My second guy uh, is looking to complete his career Grand Slam this week. He is coming off a little bit of a wrist injury uh, or an arm injury. Jordan Spieth. Yeah, I don't. Do you I think just? Uh, do you think the Jordan Spieth experience is not going to fit well with, uh, you know, a longer, tighter course? Um. Obviously, he does sort of have that tendency to be wild off the tee, but he's uh, low key got pretty good distance. So. Honestly, I would be a lot more bullish on speed this week if it weren't for the injury. It's definitely concerning. I think he just got there today, and I saw reports that he played one yeah. hole and then left. Yeah, he had some tape on his arm as well. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm sort of hearing conflicting things because I think he 
it sounded like he went through a whole range session, hit all of his clubs. There w- weren't really like grimaces or anything like that. But then when he went out to play, I think he played with Rom today. There's also the word going around is that they played or that Spieth played one hole and then left. But also some people are saying maybe like that it was just super windy and that a lot of guys were sort of bailing on their practice rounds just because it wasn't going to help them. So I don't know. I, if he's, if he's pain free, I can see him in the mix for sure, but I'm definitely concerned about the wrist. You know, I I'm looking at his major resume, uh, especially with thick rough. Yeah, the courses that he's won at are not necessarily um, courses where it was long and narrow. Uh, like yeah. you know, his his open. I mean, Chambers Chambers Bay was long, but yes, Chambers Bay was long, be, but not narrow. You did not have to be precise, super um, precise off the tee. Masters obviously not well known for being just a, a super tight golf course. Um, you know, the open that he won where he was spraying it everywhere. He sprayed it into the, the, uh, Range. the, the fitting vehicles, uh, just not a history for playing well on tight courses. I, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know if I would like him, even if he was pain-free this week. Thirdly okay. on my list. Round one leader at the 2023 Masters, the Crown Vic himself, Victor Hovland. This guy, he was on my radar. Um, I definitely thought about having him in my lineup for DraftKings. I am a little bit concerned of the runoff areas around the green. And, you know, his his history with, uh, you know, struggle with the short game. But I like Victor this week. I could, I would not at all be surprised if Victor gets a top five. I would be, I'd be surprised if he won. I still think he, you know, has some stuff he has to work through with being in contention on Sundays and big events. But um, I, I, I do think Victor's going to play well this week. Next on my list, uh, the last guy to, or he finished solo ninth at the 2023 Masters, kind of backed his, backdoored his way into that top 10 with a five under 67 in the final round. I don't know who uh, this is. Guy that we've talked about a little bit on the show already, Sahith Tigala. Okay, Sahith. Um, if ooh. he's in the field, is he qualified? <laughs> just... Yes, yes, he's in the field. Um, <laughs> Gosh, that's a good one. What do you think his odds are? I've got it right here. Uh, you know, never having won a tour event, I would. But he's playing hot. I would say probably one fifty to one. Eighty. Eighty to one. Oof. You know, I don't know how to feel about. I mean, I think he'll definitely have some big moments. Like I think he will make the cut. I just don't think he's like he's quite sharp enough to be in contention all the way through, but he's got he's got the talent to where he he's sort of a highlight reel. But I think uh, like a I think like a top twelve would be a, a really good week for Sahith. Yeah. So a couple other ones, you know, 
the the next one was the last one on my list, and then there's a couple more that I just want to briefly talk about. Um, this guy, well known for his slow play, uh, tied for 14th at the Masters, came back, uh, lost in a playoff, or was it? Did he lose in a playoff? No, he didn't lose in a. Was he in the playoff? I don't remember if he was in the playoff or not. He was in the final group at the uh, RBC Heritage. I don't think he was in the playoff. He was uh, Patrick, in the final group. He was not in the... Patrick Cantlay. His form has been there. Yes. Uh, so now we've mentioned his whole group because he's playing with Ricky and Phil in the first two rounds. Uh, I mean, just n- nothing gets me excited about Patrick Cantlay. I mean... I agree. He, he might be in the mix. Okay, he might not. I won't care if he's not. So... Um, I sure, sure. I mean, I could say, yeah, he'll have a good week, but every time I've predicted that he'll have a good week in a major, he does not play well. And then whenever I'm just like, okay, I'm, I'm done looking at Patrick Cantley, like, especially this year at Augusta, it's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of thinking he's going to play well this time. He actually played pretty well this year. He's in the second to last group. He struggled on Sunday, but yeah. So whatever the rest of these. We'll speed run. I'll just give you the name. You say yes or no. Um, I'll just say like if I'm if I'm buying or selling this week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, tied for tenth at the Masters last year's U.S. Open champion Matthew Fitzpatrick. Uh, not feeling it this week. No. Former PGA Championship winner and Open Championship winner, tied for tenth at the Masters, Colin Morikawa. Yes, I. And for these other guys, I'm going to predict their finish. So I'm going to give it. A, Colin Morikawa, like a tied ninth. Okay. Um, um, who was who was the one before? Maddie, Maddie Fitz. Matt Fitzpatrick, like not a, feeling. M- make the cut, but like tied thirty fifth. Long hair, don't care. Tommy Fleetwood. Maybe like a T twenty. Hammer and Smith. Sure. I'm not. I'm not feeling that. Uh, something in the. Yeah, like 30th place. So I don't think he'll be in the mix. Last week's winner. Guy who I had in my master's lineup who peed it down his leg on Sunday, Jason Day. He was not Jay Sunday that day. No, 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 no. We didn't even, yeah, we haven't even mentioned that he won. Um, I mean, gosh, he's playing. My only concern, I would be higher on Jason Day if he was in the mix last week and didn't win, like I, you know, it's very often you see guys go back to back mm-hmm. and especially after a five year, you know, five years without winning and then to win, like, I'm just, a, I'm a little bit concerned about just sort of having used all of his mental energy and sort of having a disappointment this week. Um, but that's the only thing I'm concerned about. Cause obviously his game is great. So I would say like, not in contention, but sort of on the verge of contention. So like maybe like a top, like between 10th and 15th. Okay. Uh, Master's disappointment, Max Homa. His, he doesn't, he's not trending right now. He doesn't have a lot with his game. Um, not expecting much. Do maybe we, a make, maybe a make the cut, but that's about it. If Max Homa misses the cut and it's not even close, do we start to worry about Max Homa or is it not quite that time yet? I will be worried 
see right now he's just not playing all that well. Um, if he if he somehow gets some form between now and the U.S. Open at LA Country Club, and then so if he's coming in with some form there and then has another bad week, then I will be getting concerned about Max Homa in the majors. Because I think he uh, shot a course record out at LACC before. So yes, last one. We cannot talk about a major without talking about this guy. He slid under the radar recently. Hasn't played a lot. Uh, missed cut at the Masters, and from there just has not played a lot of golf. Oh, Actually yeah. withdrew from an event, which cost him a little bit of money. Uh, Mr. Rory McIlroy. Not feeling it. Not feeling it. All he right. seems to be in a weird headspace. Um, you know, sort of sort of being short with everyone in his presser. You know, a lot of people are taking that as okay, yeah, he's he's just back to golf now, you know, now he's gonna go out and destroy everyone. I don't know. I'm not feeling it, but he could prove me wrong. This is the setup that this is the kind of setup that suits him. Uh like it reminds me. A little bit, not a whole lot, but a little bit of the setup when he won at um, Congressional. He he was sort of backdoor in the mix here in 2013. It was one of those where, I mean, he was never really in the mix to win it, but he sort of had a backdoor, like top five or top ten. Um, you know, not he is actually a member at this course, interestingly enough. But either way, I'm selling this week. I'm still not feeling it. Before I ask for any last uh, questions, I did see a funny bet, which I don't know if this was real or if it was just a picture that somebody had photoshopped. But the bet was, does a live golfer lose to a... like all the PGA professionals this week? Like, is there a live golfer that finishes lower on the leaderboard than every single PGA professional in the field? Um, I'm going to say no, but if so, keep an eye on Siwon Kim. <laughs> you achieved Twitter fame. You had a retweet from a live golf page. Um, yeah, sure did. A couple thousand views. Last I looked, retweeted by the Bogey Train Twitter page. Let's see this. Um, I haven't gotten a whole lot of interaction. Not a whole lot of interaction, but just a lot of views. Uh, we've got 3,500 views. That's. But so yeah, so Live Golf Updates <clears throat> is one, one of those just clownish live accounts with 18,000 followers. Um, so basically, he just posted a list of the live players that are in the field in the PGA this week and their tee times. And I was completely baffled to see that Siwon Kim is in the field. I mean, this is a guy that's like, can't he even is get routinely, out of last place? Routinely finishing last in these live events. Like he has been atrocious. So, I mean, I was asking the question, I mean, sort of in a rhetorical way, but also dead serious. Like how, how is he actually in the field? And, Live Golf Updates quote tweeted me and said it was because apparently 2022 he won the Asian Tour Order of Merit. So, uh, yeah, that was pretty surprising. But uh, good for him. He gets to play in the PGA, I guess. And he probably gets a miscut at the PGA. 
I would feel very comfortable uh, throwing some money at that. What is more likely this week? Um, Siwon Kim winning the PGA Championship. Or Phil Mickelson's Taylor getting fired. (laughs) Or I can't even think of a good, like, other side to this. It'd be like Siwon Kim winning. Siwon Kim winning or Trent Ryan breaking Scotty Scheffler getting last. Yeah, it's like... That's that's just weird. Uh, anything else on the PGA? I don't think so. Ricky back in a major, first time in a while. Uh, first time since last year's PGA. Yeah. So, guy to watch for maybe. Um, obviously, form has been good. Would love to see him uh, contend, but. You did kind of mention, didn't you say that the the setup is very similar to when Rory won his PGA that year? Or the US Open. Well, I wouldn't say it's all that similar to Congressional, but just the you know the the long rough and the the course playing long. Um it's probably gonna play fairly soft. Maybe not the greens, but um, you know, there's there's probably gonna be some moisture out there and with the especially with the temperatures like we said it's going to be playing really long so it just sort of reminded me a little bit of 2011 at congressional for rory but i think if ricky can get the driver going just a little bit i think it'll be uh a, a, a good week you know well I'm yeah because he's a t- he's a top 10 iron player yeah right i'm now. looking at his strokes gained recently you know just his events this year and off the tee he's just been ping-ponging back from like plus one half per round to minus one per round. Uh, And his iron play has always been very high up there. So if we can get that driver in tune, you know, Ricky's a guy who could be contending week in and week out. And he's coming off T14 at the Wells Fargo. You know, can't forget that either. Yeah. And he's been, he's been pretty much an average putter this year. Yeah, his putting has um, not been outstanding. For, for overall, you know, his overall career is maybe a disappointing year, but compared to the last few, it's improvement. So, you know, he'd have to get a little bit, he'd have to have a little bit of a hot week on the greens because he's been pretty, uh, pretty so-so for the, for this season in a, in a general sense on the greens. Yeah. But and- his biggest area is improvement because he was awful last year. Um, he's driving it better because last year he was having huge misses um, off the tee. He was not hitting it a lot of fairways, and when he did miss, they were very often just huge misses. So he, it's, he's a lot tighter off the tee this year, and his iron game is so much better. I'm trying to find last year uh, his stroke game approach. T23, uh, he lost 0.4 shots per round putting. Everything else was plus. So, uh, strokes gained approach. I got to go to the ranking here. And I'm just looking at his, his recent finishes. So, if we just start at the Zozo where he finished second, 
He has gone T2, T34, T54, T11, T10, T20, T31, T13, T17, T10, T15, T14. Yeah. Uh, Eight of his last nine in the top 20. Nine of his last 13 in the top 20. The form is definitely there. Yeah. Yeah. So he's been plus. Uh, he's been gaining 1.5 approach. Um. He's also really good around the greens. Oh, and his putty stats are a little bit better than I thought too. Yeah. So. It's, I think it's mainly driving accuracy. Uh, which and just which he's still ball. above average. Um, yeah. You know, I just. Yeah. I I look at. Uh, the Arnold Palmer, where his driving accuracy, he was minus 13%. Um, Minus 13% of what's the... It's like what the average fairways percentage? Yeah. sure. Um, And he lost basically a shot off the tee per round that week. Everything else was positive. So... Well, uh, speaking of strokes gained, should we uh, talk about our round on Sunday? Yeah, some of our golf metrics. Yeah. All right, so James and I played 18 on Sunday, and we're both kind of getting into the world of sort of the advanced analytics on our golf games, taking some more in-depth stats to try to get our strokes gained. Because uh, I've been able to calculate strokes gain putting for a while, you know, if I wanted to, if I was just curious after any given round, you can you can sort of figure that out. But it takes mm-hmm. takes a little bit more to get the strokes gain in the other areas of the game. So, um, has anything stuck out to you? Or do you have any? Well, I guess I, I just want to. I, I kind of want to preface. Um, so typically Nick and I, we were pretty basic stat takers. Uh, we used a couple of different apps over the past few years, um, which would just track, you know, fairways, greens, putts, stuff like that. And just kind of give us the general stats. And the app that we have been using probably for about five or six years now, which was always free, went behind a paywall this year. Dude, that's gone all the way back to Which, 2015. We've used yeah. that. We've had seven, eight years. We used Nike Golf 360 before, and then that ceases to exist, and we switched to this unsaid, unnamed app. Um, but yeah, I pulled up the pulled up the app Golf game uh, a couple Ooh. weeks ago to put my stats in, and you know they had a paid version which you could just get advanced stats like bunkers and hazards and stuff like that. But this year, you could not do a single thing on the app unless you pay for the app. Yeah, And it's at that point that I said, why would I pay $70 a year for this app when I can pay the same price for this other app that we are now using called Golf Metrics and um, get strokes gained and just a bunch of advanced stats with it. So I, I gave it a free trial. I put a couple of nine hole rounds in that I just played um, on a Wednesday night and you know, the, the stats that they give you are, are very good. Um, and obviously we, we played on Sunday and we, I put my rounds or put my stats in there and 
uh, it's it's very telling. I I like it because it really tells you where where you're good and where you're bad. Because um, many people would often often say that you know I I personally am a pretty good putter, and then I have a a round where I feel like I'm just not putting well at all, and you know my putting handicap is a, a plus five or a plus six, and so it's nice to see where you're actually struggling. Um, you know, driving approach, short game, putting, whatever it may be. Uh, it goes a little bit more in depth for certain distances. So looking at my approach shots from Sunday, for example, uh, I was losing about a shot from 100 to 150. And then I lost three shots from 150 to 200. So just looking at, you know, basic stats would be like, yeah, I missed a lot of greens, so my irons were obviously not very good, and then you're just going to practice your irons. But, I mean, from here I can tell that the irons that were the worst were my long irons. You know, my my wedges were not necessarily horrific, uh, not as bad as my long irons. So it's nice to kind of dial in where the actual problems lie, where you need to work on a little bit more. Uh, and from that, we Nick had a little bit of a shocking realization, and we I think we both kind of did on Sunday. Um, with one part of your game, Nick. Yeah. So just talking about uh, on Sunday when we played, what was really a rough go of it at the beginning of the round for both of us. We both had really just an atrocious start. Um, yeah, and you know it was it was about fifty to sixty degrees. You know, probably twenty-ish mile an hour winds. Would you say? Uh, maybe a little less. Maybe conditions. 15. Conditions weren't necessarily like perfect and pristine, but uh, yeah, definitely a rough start for both of us. Um, and, you know, you have to take this with a grain of salt, obviously, because it was one round. But so after the first few holes, when I was playing like garbage, I think I was five over through six. The rest of the round, I hit a lot of solid shots. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think I had any bogeys after that. Um, obviously, m- gave away a few really good birdie chances. Um, but so I ended up shooting, what did I shoot? Maybe I did have a, did you shoot like 75, 76? Yeah. 70. I shot three over. So after I was five over through six, I just had a couple birdies and no bogeys the rest of the way. So, and then the, the cool thing about this is you can compare your strokes gain versus like a scratch or a pro. Um, you know, might as well just do it against a scratch at this point, but it gives you a handicap for each part of your game. So overall now, after that round, I'm a plus 1.9 handicap. Um, so my driving, it said I drove it like a plus two, which is about right to my handicap, but I Mm -hmm. hit one drive out of bounds. So, you know, it's just a snap hook out of bounds. So sort of removing that outlier, I I think I drove it a little bit better than that. Yeah, and you know that goes based on it's just based on strokes gain. So obviously, if you're you're long and straight, you're going to gain a lot more shots. Um, My approach game was that of a plus seven. Uh, my short game, and they count short as a hundred yards and in, so like a plus four. And my putting was like a fourteen handicap. I was losing almost a tenth of a shot. Per shot. 
per putt. Um, had a had a couple of bad three putts, and it was just really telling. And it and it goes into even deeper um, stats, like he said. So like you can tell, you know, what your strokes gained were for each yardage. Yeah, so I gained compared to a scratch three and a half strokes approach in one round, and I lost three point two putts or three point two shots putting. And I mean, he was there. He saw it. I mean, it was obvious. The yeah. three putts that I had and missing some short ones. I mean, it was it was truly terrible. It was so bad. The next day, I sold my putter. Like, I literally don't have a putter anymore. Yeah, so. he, uh, he says, I think we're on like hole six or seven at this point. Uh, and he's telling me about this putter that he's been looking into. And he says, if... This putter is still available when the round is over. I'm going to buy it and sell my putter. To which he snaps me last night and says I sold my putter and snaps me this morning uh, with his putter in a box ready to go out the door. Yes, sir. Is now on its way to Lexington, Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) So happy trails. Thanks for nothing. Did you end up buying the uh, other putter? Yeah, that should be okay. here two days from now. Okay, and it breaks it down even farther. So for my approach game, for between 100 and 150 yards, it says I was hitting it as if I was a plus 13. A plus Goodness. 13. And it said the same for 200 to 250. Yeah, 200 plus, to 250. I don't think I had a lot of shots between 200 and 250 other than um our 11th hole yeah our uh our eighth hole you would have had one as well oh yeah and i hit that and one to like i hit i, I mean, hit one to like 10 feet and i hit one to like 40 feet yeah i don't know what you had in for a distance on on our first hole or our seventh hole those two par fives no it was but, farther than that but um, yeah because like but i had so i had one shot from 130 on our ninth hole that i hit to like a foot and i had was? another shot later in the round from 165 that I hit to like four feet. So what was that on? Uh, blue five. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. But did my putting. Did you make that birdie putt? Yes, I did. Okay. But my putting. Um. So overall, it said it was it was the putting as if a, it was a 14 handicap from seven to 21 feet was a 24 handicap. That is just, I mean, I can't really talk because mine from zero to six, I was a plus 12 from seven to 21. I was a 20 from 22 plus I was a 34 handicap, but I putted like a plus seven that day just because like anything from six feet and in, I'm basically just automatic. So. So yeah, there's that, and which was really interesting. So, you know, you see all this, and obviously, right, you have to it was just one round. Anyone can have a good round with their irons mm-hmm. and a bad round with their putter, or whatever. I ended up going back and I put in I entered my round from the US Open qualifier at TPC Twin Cities. And there were some interesting some interesting things to note from this one as well. And this will be a, a shock to me because he has not told me these stats. I don't know what these are. So, 
So also the strokes gained is definitely thrown off because you know you're you're comparing it against a scratch, just mm-hmm. like an in yeah. theory scratch. And obviously the weather was atrocious that day. Yeah. So if it was compared to the players in the field for that tournament, I think my numbers would look a lot better. Yeah, hundred percent. Because you know the average player in that tournament didn't play as well as an average scratch, right? Mm-hmm. On, yeah. But anyway, so these these numbers were interesting. Um, so my driving was ob- we talked about that. That was the best part of my game. Mm-hmm. Um, I gained what was it? I gained three point three shots off the tee. Just with the driver. That's, yes. That is uh that'll do it. Gained three point three shots off the tee. Uh driving my driving handicap was plus seven. Uh my approach handicap was seven. Um, and I lost two point one shots approach. But I think that was skewed because because when I saw that, I was surprised. I, was, I didn't think I was hitting my irons that bad. I actually hit some really solid ones. Um I was in the fairway bunker on 14 and chunked it into the water. And then my second shot on hole six, the par five, I had like 260. And that one caught the wind and went in the water as well. And that was, I was trying to lay up. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing those two sort of are, are throwing the approach number off a little bit. Yeah, that would definitely add a little bit just because you're, you know, you're taking the penalty shot in there. So, yeah, uh, they so, will lose more shots. I mean, overall, yeah, my irons felt better than um, than that stat. But the really surprising one, so short game, 100 yards and in, was abysmal. I didn't even realize how bad it was. Uh, I lost four shots. Just from yeah. 100 and in alone? Yes, yeah, my, my short game was a 19 handicap that day. It says, "Oh my gosh!" Um, so I gotta look a little bit closer. Okay, yeah, so yeah, I want to so, know so the approach, distances here. Approach. It said um, from greater than 250, I lost a full shot. So yeah. I mean, that one layup cost yeah. me a full shot. Um. Okay, so strokes gained, short game. So I had a couple terrible bunker shots, like greenside bunker shots mm-hmm. that cost me. Um, I don't know if you remember when I told you how far short and right I came up on 13 with that really deep bunker. Mm-hmm. I had like 50 yards having to come up and over that lip. So I ended up leaving that in the bunker. That basically cost me a whole shot. Yeah. Um, on my last hole, I bladed a bunker shot. Um, and then it said from 20 to from zero to 20 yards, I lost 1.3 shots, so I just had I had a few really bad chips. Now I think about it. Where did you zero to twenty? Where did you have a bad chip from? So I can think of like hole six after I half shanked my approach. Oh hole yeah, five. hole five after I half shanked my approach. Like I was I was short and right of the green, but I probably had thirty some yards to the hole, and I made a double. Mm-hmm. Um, I chipped it over the green and then I didn't get up and down. And there were a few other scenarios where I just had just really bad chips. 
so yeah, I lost 1.3 from zero to 20 yards and 1.2 from 20 to 60. And then my putting, I thought my putting number was going to be a lot worse, but that bomb I made on 16 sort of did it for me. Or it, it, it sort of, it sort of skewed the numbers a little bit because, Oh yeah, that's probably gained you like a shot and a half alone. Well that, yeah, that putt gained me, but again, from seven to 21 feet, that was the same range that I was terrible on Sunday. Um, okay. Putting from seven to 21 feet. I was a 23. So what is it? Is it three putts? Is that what it is? Or so it's like, are you just not making any like 10 footers occasionally? I think it's that I'm just, you know, those are, those are those putts that a lot of times you're having them for birdie. Right. And you know, you're not going to make all of them, but every now and again, you want to make like a 15 footer for birdie. Mm -hmm. I think it's just that I'm not making any of them. So it's just slowly losing like a little bit like every time. Yeah. Cause Cause I I had like a, let me, let me look up a 15 foot putt strokes to hole. Um, Cause like, I think if you have 15 feet, it's probably like a 1.3 strokes to hole or something like that. Uh, if I had to guess, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little higher than that, but well, maybe that's right. So, because, so it gave me a, so from zero to six feet, it said I was a plus nine. Mm-hmm. Um, and from 22 feet and beyond, I was a plus nine. I had a few, obviously I made that 75 footer. Um, but I had a couple other really long ones that came up like that were just really good. Another one I should have made actually was on my second to last hole, hole eight. It just hit the pin dead center and bounced out. Um, but yeah, it's that in between range. Yeah. So I just, it's just not making any of them. And then the occasional three putt I found. So from one of my rounds that I have put in here, uh, I have a 10 footer that I made and making that 10 footer gained me 0.7 shots. And then I have a hole where uh, I had 13 feet and I missed the 13 footer. And so I lost 0.23 shots by missing that, that 13 footer. Okay. And so, yeah, when I was putting in my stats, when I was like, it's like every hole, basically I ended up making just like a one footer because I was missing yeah. makeable putts. So I was like, well, man, this like, feet of putts is just going to be awful. Yeah. So, so so obviously I made that really long putt, right? From, I think it was between 70 and 75 feet. I actually mapped it out on Apple maps or Google maps. So take that out. So on the other 17 holes, well, it's 25. So on the other 17 holes, I made about 38 feet of putts. Or 40. Like that's, that's just that's awful. Because I had a hundred and I made a hundred and thirteen feet of putts for the whole round. Mm-hmm. 
and one hole was like 73 feet. Yeah. So, and I was actually having a kind of an interesting back and forth with a guy on Twitter. I don't know if you caught this a few days ago. I didn't see that. No. Um, he was like, so he's, he made it to the, uh, he ended up getting runner up in the mid am a number of years ago. Okay. He, and he's like a golf, like mental, like strategy guy now. So he's like, so say you are in the final, you make it to the final of the mid am. Like what would have had to change in your game? Like for you to get there from where you are right now. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just replied. I said, well, it's just like taking advantage of opportunities because I feel like very often I'm in really good position and don't make birdies when I should. And he was just like, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, I mean, short to mid range wedge shots. I'm not hitting close enough. And then I'm just not making any putts from like eight to 15 feet. I think I said that he's like, well, what are you expecting to make all of them? And so he sort of like hit the way he responded was like, well, why are you expecting to make putts in that range? And so it kind of got me thinking, well, I mean, I don't know, maybe what I'm envisioning my putting problems are, aren't actually, but no, it turns out I was, I was very onto something. My, my general gut sense that I'm just, just the feeling that I'm not making anything in the, you know, the makeable birdie putt range. Um, there's apparently there's something to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it's only two rounds. It's not a huge sample size, but the fact that from the seven to 21 foot range, I was putting like a 24 handicap on Sunday and a 23 handicap in my U S open qualifier is concerning. And from what it sounds like, all of that is coming from seven to 21. So it's, Cause what was well, your, no, I'm was saying your... like, I'm saying oh, from that just... specific, okay. not specific. Okay. Distance. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, ha- they, they, my putting was a plus one total, um, for the U S open qualifier, mm-hmm. which shocked me. Um, well, it's cause you rolled in a 75 footer. Right. right. Yeah. Cause like, I mean, you look at it's, it's rolling in those, those putts because this round um, that I'm looking at, it was a nine hole round, but I was a plus nine putting and I was a plus one from seven to 21 and a plus 0.3 from, or no, sorry, this was strokes gain, not handicap. I gained one shot from seven to 21. I gained uh, 0.3 from 22 plus and that was plus nine plus nine plus eight handicap wise that round and that was just from making you know a couple or i made one 10 footer that round uh was really all it was from looking at it because yeah i made 10 footer there and going back um you know i made a six footer on my second hole and made an eight footer like it's just it's making an occasional putt uh and lagging it up close is how like a lot right. of my shots come which is and it, yeah and so what's nice about golf metrics too is i mean other it's this isn't the only app that does this obviously but you can just go back and, and so instead of selecting 
just one round, you can just select all of them. And so you kind of get averages. Mm-hmm. And so, and now, so just for those two rounds, my averages, um, my driving is a plus four handicap. My approach is a plus two. So it's like, okay, my approach game is about what my handicap is. And my driving is maybe a slight bit better than what my handicap is. But it says my short game, so 100 yards and in, is a 10 handicap. My putting is a 6 handicap. So it's just sort of showing me that what what my gut was telling me about, you know, where I need to get better was exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just, I did the same thing to mine now where I just selected everything I have in so far. So my driving is about a one handicap, which is, you know, right where I'm at right now. I'm a 1.9 now, I believe. So I guess it's technically a little bit better than what my handicap is. Um, my putting, which is the the unsurprising one, because I'm typically a pretty good putter, is a plus eight. Jeez. Yeah, I I make a lot of six footers. So what can I say? Short game uh, is about a seven. So, and a lot of this is, you know, a couple just... 20 yard chips that you just flub and leave short or just something like that. You know, when we played on Sunday, I had, uh, you know, I had to drop and then I had a 30 yard wedge shot, which I bladed over the green and then proceeded to chunk like a 18 yard chip shot, uh, which lost me a lot right there. My approach, the unsurprising one uh, is a, that of a 12 handicap. And, you know, basically all of that is coming from 100 to 200 and more specifically 150 to 200. You know, my yeah, and it's and it's all like it's pretty much just contact, like you're just yeah. not hitting the ball just quite crisp enough. Because, like, I can specifically remember a few times, and I feel like in past years we've hit our irons similar distances, if not you hitting it a little farther. Mm-hmm. Um, it wouldn't be rare for like me to hit a six and you to hit a seven. That that was very common um, back in the day. So on our sixth hole was a par three. It was downwind. Uh, you took a seven and I took a nine. Um, and then a couple holes later, it was down and off the right. It was like two twelve or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you hit a four iron, and I mean you still ended up probably short of pin high by by a little bit. Yeah. And I had a six iron and it was a pretty good shot. So and not only some... did I end up like I pulled that too, which typically adds a little bit of distance. So like you know, yeah. I I pulled this, which should add distance, and I was still short of pin high. So if I would have just hit it, you know, straight at the pin, I probably would have been twenty yards short. Ten yards short, maybe. Yeah. So and I mean and I think it's just how you're hitting it right now, because like in past years, I don't think hitting a six iron from two twelve a little bit downhill and the wind down off the right would sound crazy to you. That sounds pretty normal. No, that would be, if you would have asked me, you know, two years ago, like you're saying what I would hit in that scenario, I probably would have hit a six. Um, but yeah, now I just, with how my swing is and trying to get back to where I was, I, I don't have that same, distance that i used to and i think that's where my swing is getting into more trouble because now i'm you know getting mad that i'm losing this distance and so i'm trying to chase distance and i'm just trying too hard to chase distance which is not helping me either 
Yeah. And that's actually probably making it worse because when there are some habits that we're trying to kick in our swing, swinging harder only exacerbates the habits. Mm-hmm. So now I'm also, I'm also, I'm a little bit concerned for your fitting coming up just because just, just because I'm the way you're delivering the club isn't how you want to. So I hope you don't end up getting something a little bit wacky. Yeah. Um, with like shafts that are like not enough for, you know, the way you can swing it. Or if you get like a weird lie angle or something. Yeah. I think off of the way you're delivering it. I think that'll be something too, that, you know, will kind of be a, a conversation, like taking in my clubs, how I have them now and just being like, you know, when I was playing at my best, these were, you know, the shafts were really good. The, the length is the one issue. Cause when I got those irons, I was looking for more control. So I ended up actually getting those irons a quarter inch short, which is something I probably didn't need to do. I probably should not have done. I mean, you probably, um, yeah, but also a quarter inch is not a whole lot. Yeah. But I mean, I'm thinking that I'll probably go in and, you know, just based on kind of reading and generally what they do based off height and, you know, arm length and stuff like that. The kind of the general consensus is someone for a guy my size typically is plus a quarter, plus a half an inch on their irons. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a three quarter of an inch difference that'll be made. You um, could just do one length irons. I could do one. I could go with the Bryson one length. Um, but you, uh, anything else with golf metrics? I don't know. Um, I'm, there's a few other apps that I'm looking into for, you know, possibly just cause there are some apps that have better interfaces and, mm-hmm. um, you know, are just built a little bit better than have things that they can, you know, recommend how to practice and things like that based off of what you're doing. Um, one of them I'm looking at is called circles. Um, yeah, circles another, is one that I looked into a little bit too. The only I'm just I'm a little concerned about the pricing for that, circles that because there's too. there's three different levels. So if you do the base level and if you're not even able to get strokes gained and things like that, then that would be completely pointless. Um, but I do like the free trial. I think it's like uh, instead of five days like golf metrics, this one might be five rounds. Which, which is, is kind of nice. nice because yeah, I don't play as much as I used to. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, my free trial is going to expire before my next round for golf metrics. So I'll have to figure out what I'm going to do. Um, I'm also looking at Arcos potentially. Uh, as Obra's got a deal where, um, you can, if you have any Cobra clubs, you can get a, a a set of all of the sensors for free and a 45 day free trial for the Arcos app. You want to loan me a Cobra club quick? Well, it might not just be Cobra that's doing it. Uh, there might be a, a deal with TaylorMade too. Oh, I got a spider. I know. I, Cause I think ping is doing it, but you don't have any ping. Um, so there, there might be, there might be a situation there. So, I might look into Arcos as well. The only downside for Arcos, unless you get the link, which kind of goes on your belt. Have you Mm -hmm. you seen that? Yeah. You have to have, if you don't have the link, you have to have your phone in your front pocket. 
as you're playing, which I don't like to play with my phone in my pocket, at least my front pocket. So that would kind of be a pain. But um, but with the deal, you also get 50% off the link if you want to get that. So that could take it from like, it's either like one, I think it's like 150. So you could get it like for 75 if you wanted to get the link. Which, I think the, the thing the grand that scheme me of a- things, getting a whole set of the sensors for free and the link for 50% off, I mean, that could be a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, I think the one thing that drove me away from that was the fact that when I looked at it, you like having to pay for the sensors plus everything else plus on top of that still having to pay like a yearly fee or like membership fee to use it yeah is it like a hundred a year or something something like that like that just that's a lot of paying for something that uh like if it was a one-time payment thing you know you pay for the sensors and then you pay like five bucks a year or something like that if you have the sensors like that's that would be fine, but something where it's like a hundred dollars a year every single year is just a little steep. Um, so that's why I went with Golf Metrics. It's just cost effective. They have a nice six month option, which, with us being in the Midwest and having only about six months of the year where we're actually able to play golf, uh, is that perfect. is true. Yeah, that is also a plus. And the thing is, with um. I've also looked at ShotScope V3, which I think is better than Arcos because the the sensors are slimmer, so that's mm-hmm. so they're less bulky on the end of your clubs, and it comes with a watch rather than you know having to have your phone in your pocket. Um, but those, you know, obviously the sensors aren't always you know perfectly accurate. So after your rounds, you kind of have to go in and um, like especially on putts you have to go in and sort of say how far your putts were from and all this sort of thing. And so you have to, if you have to go back in and so I guess what I'm saying is with having sensors and everything, the, the upside is you don't really have to think about it. It's just taking your stats for you. Yeah. But also if you have to go back in and double check it, I mean, that's not really going to be more work than just putting in your information into golf metrics as you go, because you know, it's accurate. And if you do it hole by hole, it takes like 15 seconds. Yeah. Like I would, I mean, even when we were playing and I was doing it just by, you know, typing it into my notes app, um, like I, I laser the number, I grab my phone, I write down the number, I get out, I grab my club, I hit. And it, it adds, you know, 10 seconds per shot tops. Cause I can still mm-hmm. get out, still do my pre-shot routine quickly uh, and still, you know, hit the shot and not be sitting there wasting a whole bunch of time. Um, and I mean, not that anything else would be adding time to it, but it's just, you know, you're able to do it that quickly while playing. Um, and so it's not something you have to go back and, you know, after the round be like, oh yeah, how far did I have in on hole two? I don't remember. Like, where was I? Yada, yada. Like you're, you're doing it right there. It's saving time is fresh in your mind and it's, you know, it's works. One nice thing about circles is they have um, they have like hard copies of like note sheets that you can print off mm-hmm. in case you're somewhere, I guess, if you didn't have cell service or if you were for some reason you couldn't enter it into your phone as you were playing or have your phone mm-hmm. on. There's like these little note sheets that you could just put in your yardage book. You could take some Matt Fitzpatrick notes um, and you could do that anyway with any 
you know, notebook, but it's, it's cool to have the little template that sort of says, you know, each shot and then the distance and where it was from. Um, there's another thing. Oh yeah. The one thing I don't like, or that I wish golf metrics has was GPS. Cause then you could get, um, some distance on, you know, the distance or some numbers on the distance of your drives and things like mm-hmm. that. But as far as all the stats, I mean, that's, that's probably one of the least important. So, yeah. I mean, I could, I could really care less about driving distance and stuff like that. I think my wish for golf metrics is that the, there was more advanced stats for like, you know, with left and right, uh, or where you're like, where you're missing fairways, where you're missing. Grids. Yeah, true. Cause all that it has is, you know, your fairway accuracy, your green and regulation percentage. Uh, it doesn't necessarily tell you if you're missing that it. That's true. Short, long, left, right, kind of what your tendency is there. But you know, that's yeah, something that's, that, that's, that as a golfer, true. I can, you know, kind of keep in mind, you know, I so, know that my issue when we played on Sunday is that I was hitting a giant slice. So I knew I was missing all my greens to the right. Um, and so like, that's something that I know that I have to go work on, not coming over the top, you know, getting on plane, hitting it, stuff like that. That's just obvious knowledge. So I'm thinking, yeah, for that sort of stuff, I'm probably just going to have to look at the USGA app. The gym app? Yeah, because when I enter my rounds in there, I do it shot by shot. Um, And so then that one can, um, you know, give you your your fairway numbers and your green numbers and where your misses are. Mm -hmm. So driving accuracy, 63% for me, which that's actually pretty good, better than I thought. Um, 16% right miss and 21% left, um, greens and regulation, 69%. Nice. Nice. 13% short, six left, seven, right. And five long. So. Yeah. I've been doing the same thing as what you're talking about. Um, averaging 32.8 putts around that cannot continue. Yeah. That's, that's high, but I've also been entering my kind of more advanced stats so to speak in the gin app. So my, you know, left, right, short, whatever it may be just to, to still have that there. Cause especially with driver, um, you know, it's nice to be able to go back and look at, you know, this round I had a two way miss going or this round, every single miss was, was to the right uh, and to kind of pinpoint that. Um, yeah. So I guess, yeah, so those were the basic the basic stats that we were keeping in Gamebook in the past. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it is nice because we, we're always entering our rounds into the Gin app anyway. So it's nice that it has this now. So we basically there's basically no need for Gamebook anymore except for the leaderboards. Yeah. Which were worthless anyway. Um, yeah, more or less. So. I think just the only thing with the Gin app, though, is that, you know, not being able to have it in tournaments when they automatically post your rounds, that'll be the, uh, the downside. Yeah. Yeah. But I suppose so. That's Should something we get to I our, can uh, live with. Champions dinners. Well, you mentioned equipment change with the putter. I also went through an equipment change this week. Uh, as, as we were playing, um, 
Oh yeah, I know this one. S- started uh, started the round playing with uh, titles Pro V ones, which is typically my golf ball of choice. And uh, we get to hole two, and I hit one in the water. And we get to hole five, and I hit two of them in the water. And then we get to hole twelve, and I hit another one in the water. And so it was at that point. Uh, we're on thirteen. I hit my tee shot with a. Uh, with a pro V and Nick mentions to me something. I don't know why this even came up. Well, no, I think it was, uh, I think it was after you hit a big old slice on our 12th hole. Yeah. And I was just like, how are you on golf balls by the way? And you're like, not good. And so that's how it, that's how it, um, so then Nick brings up the good old vice golf ball, uh, and said that that was something that he might've been looking into. I don't know the truthfulness or not. And I thought Very to myself, true. I thought, hey, I actually have a couple of vice golf balls in my bag. Uh, so I pulled one out, pulled out a good old vice pro drip uh, and played the remainder of my round with the vice pro drip. Uh, before taking the golf ball out, I was 13 over par or no, 12, 11 over par something. Uh, I shot one under with the vice ball is basically what we're getting at. Now um, that is the easiest five hole stretch in the country, but that's, I wouldn't go that far, but yes, I did make all pars in a birdie during this five hole stretch, which may include a 440 yard par five, um, which was my birdie during this stretch. But even outside of that, uh, I liked the, I liked the vice golf ball. I kind of hit some of my best shots, which obviously correlation does not equal causation necessarily. But I, I really enjoyed hitting the Vice Golf Ball. Uh, they're very cheap. And so I went out and I bought five dozen Vice Golf Balls for $29.99 a dozen. And I got six one free. That's such so, a W. So I got six dozen Vice Pro Plus Golf Balls coming in the mail to my house as we speak. Uh, and those will be my, my new golf ball equipment probably until I die. So you went with the pro plus. I went with the pro plus. Yep. I'm so like, I, I'm really excited because hopefully I can like, I, I want to take a couple of them and just like chip and putt around the greens and see what they feel like off the putter. And, yeah. And you know, off the wedge. Yeah. But I definitely looked did at you some go reviews. With, did you go with the white? I went with just the white. Yeah. I did not go with the drip. Um, the main reason being they're just really difficult to see. Uh, you know, if you're looking in the rough or something like that, it is very difficult to see these drip balls where they have the red and white or whatever color spray paint on them. And they just look dirty all the time. They just kind of start to blend in. So I was just the white. Um, and like I was saying, I watched a couple of reviews before I, you know, sold myself on the purchase because I wasn't going to buy them if they were just a mile behind Pro V's or even slightly behind because obviously playing a little bit of the competitive golf that we play, I would like to, you know, have the best performing golf ball that I can. And the the reviews, they the numbers did not seem much different from Pro V's. You know, spin rights were very similar. Distance was very similar. Um, I think the one the one negative behind them is they maybe lack a little bit of the spin around the green that maybe a pro V would have, but Hey, you got fresh grooves. 
I got fresh grooves too. So, you know, in general, I think they're going to be very similar to the Pro-V. They sound very similar. I'm excited. They're cheaper. Um, you know, and six dozen golf balls should last me for two years at least. So uh, I should be set for the extended future. Lovely. So, yeah, we'll uh, – as far as equipment changes goes um, – I am. I have a Odyssey White Hot OG Seven CH. That's a mouthful. That is putter on the way. Mouthful. So the C. So it's the Odyssey Seven. It's just the fang shape, and the CH um, Odyssey calls it a crank hosel. So it's basically just a plumber's neck. Um, Basically, just a uh, it's the fang putter with a plumber's neck, and it's actually a 36 inch putter. So, um, my old gamer, my ping, which is no longer with us, was I was playing that one at 35 and a half. So, this one's going to be a half inch longer than that, and a full inch longer than your uh, standard putter, which is usually at 35. So, it will be uh. Yeah, it'll be interesting it's to see. It, it's coming full. with a super fat grip on it, like a 3.0. So I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna put a, I'm gonna put a, I have a uh super stroke pistol uh 1.0 that I've had just sitting in the trunk of my oh. car. And I was always gonna try to just sell it. Like, why do I still have this? But perfect. So I'm just gonna throw the 1.0 on it and uh yeah, we're gonna see how it feels. Yeah, your putter is gonna be about an inch and a half or two inches longer than my putter. So do you, is yours a 34 or 35? Mine's either 34 and a, either a 34 or 34 five. I don't remember which one exactly, but. Um, okay. So it looks like there is a tailor-made deal with Arcos too. Is there? Uh, okay. Well, smart sensors. Let's see what the deal is. Okay. Okay, yeah. So purchasers of all tailor-made clubs and select tailor-made customers are eligible to receive free access. So you'll have to see what that's about because I don't know if that's saying you have to have all tailor-made clubs or... Yeah, that'll be uh, something to look into possibly. But I mean, if we can get a free set of sensors, I mean, what's the what's the downside? Yeah, you know, and definitely looking at Arcos because your brother uses Arcos, and it it seems very sleek um, from what I see on on his posts and stuff like that. So, if I had Arcos, I'd be I'd be very inclined to just bite the bullet and get the link because. I would be kind of annoyed having to play with my phone in my front pocket. Mm -hmm. But either way, anything else before we do our champions dinner menu? I do not think so. All right. You want to go first or me? Um, I will go first. Uh, so my champions dinner, we, I, I believe we're doing appetizer entree dessert, correct? 
I'm doing appetizer, first course, entree, sides, and dessert. Oh my gosh, you're going. What's the what's the first course anyway? Here's what I got. Take it or leave it. What I got. I guess my appetizer menu is a little bit large, so it could also include the first course. Did you include beverage in yours as well? Like a nice bottle of rosé or something like that? I did not include anything like that. (laughs) All right. So here we go. Uh, My appetizer slash first course. I have a grilled corn on the cob. Bacon-wrapped jalapeno cream cheese poppers. A selection of sushi, uh, including California roll, uh, shrimp tempura, and my personal fan favorite, the Boston roll. Or no, I like Philadelphia. No, I like Boston. I like Boston roll. Uh, And then lastly, Midwestern, got to go with it. A little bit of fried chislic, uh, little steak cubes to go with it. The rest of the appetizer. That's so my appetizer gr- menu. Grilled corn on the cob, bacon wrapped jalapeno cream cheese poppers, uh, a sushi spread, and the chislic. Yep. Okay. My entrees. So I've got three different entree options. I did not take a vegetarian one. I'm sorry to all the vegetarians out there. Um, my three entrees. Uh, entree number one is a prime rib. You can have a sliced prime rib. Uh, very Midwestern of me going with steak. Secondly, uh, is a a honey grilled salmon. Oh wow! Okay. And my last option uh, is a chicken Kiev. I don't know what that is. Uh, it's uh, it's chicken. It's f- like breaded fried chicken, um, and you bake it with like a buttery garlic sauce. Okay. It's like infused. Lydia's looking at me like I said something like an idiot. You just could have described it a lot easier. It's breaded chicken with a garlic butter sauce. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. Uh, My sides are company potatoes, which is basically like cheesy hash browns. Uh, Lydia's family really got me hooked on them, so I had to uh, put those in there because they are delicious. Um, What'd you call them? Company potatoes. Okay. They're they're cheesy hash browns, basically, or cheesy potato mash okay uh grilled cauliflower uh and grilled asparagus lovely okay my my dessert is a delicious lemon meringue pie slice of lemon meringue pie you don't need the whole thing that's a lot of calories I guess if you, nice. had, if you had to ask me to throw a beverage in there, a nice, delicious, cold glass of chocolate milk. What? You can't pass chocolate what? milk up. No. Are you serious no. right now? No. If I had to, if I had to pick a, a beverage like they would in the Masters Champions Dinner, I'd probably go with a uh, maybe a pink Moscato or uh, some sort of like sweet white. I'm not really a dry wine guy, so you know something sweeter. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For sure. Um, but that would be, okay. that would be my, my champion's menu. Super good. Super nice. Okay. Well, I will just go right into mine. Um, so starting with some appetizers, I've also got the Chislick. just, uh, just a Midwestern. regional favorite. You have to, 
Um, I've got a spinach and artichoke dip with naan bread. Oh, delicious. Yep. And also walleye bites. Aha. For the appetizers. You see, you went with the more regional walleye. I went with sushi. Because <laughs> sushi yeah, is that, delicious. Yeah. Well, you had you had some uh you had some of the local stuff in there. because so, I definitely thought of having sushi. Um it's, it's just so good I can't leave it out. And I know so Hideki that, would feel included. So yeah, there we go. Um I got first course uh house or a Caesar salad. Pretty, pretty, uh, pretty basic. Standard. Yeah, you had mentioned that because you had a Caesar salad the other day. Yeah, slept on. Chicken Caesar or just regular Caesar? Chicken Caesar. Okay, that's that's Gr- very good. Gr- grilled up some chicken. Um, yeah. But if it was just a first course, it would probably just be a Caesar salad. I probably wouldn't have chicken. Um, mm-hmm. Main course. This was a this was a late game audible. Um, I was thinking a filet mignon. But um, that's just not that's just not as much me as I would want. So you're kind of stealing my thunder a little bit. I'm going with a prime rib, but it's a prime rib sandwich oh. with an au jus side. Oh, uh, we're going to, and also a maple pecan glazed brown sugar encrusted salmon. Oh, wow. So we were thinking very similar thoughts on the prime rib and the salmon. Uh huh um sides i've got basically a steamed vegetable medley uh broccoli cauliflower carrots um zucchini uh garlic mashed potatoes and a bacon mac and cheese oh yum and then for dessert a peanut butter brownie with vanilla ice cream so it's sort of like your warm option but then we've also got um if you wanted a cool option, a coconut cream pie. Oh, very so nice. That is, that is very nice. My spread. Sounds amazing. I was thinking with my prime rib too. Um, you know, I, I had the thought had crossed my mind of doing like a mushroom gravy on top of the prime rib. Uh, I decided no. I'm gonna stick with the you know basic au jus to go alongside the prime rib, just because you know it's, it's you can't beat it. You can't beat salt, like salty meat water, to go with your yeah. your prime yeah. rib. So yeah, <laughs> um, all in and, all, very and, very good. Right, and the the filet mignon definitely classy, but very um, classy. But you know, I it's just uh, yeah. Prime now, rib, prime rib sandwich is probably more, a little more Nick. Now, from talking to our waitress at the uh, restaurant we went to last night, who happens to have some sort of a relationship to you. Okay, um, I know who that is. Um, it sounds like your your brother would be very on brand for chicken strips and fries, or something very basic. Uh, um, if you were to make this champions dinner menu, it would probably be a chicken alfredo. Chicken alfredo. Yeah, probably. I tell you what, this restaurant we went to yesterday, we walked in. Haven't eaten there before. Uh, it's you been a while. Been there before? It's, it's been a while. Um, and I walk in, I'm just like, all right, what are we going to get? And we're like, well, we might as well go all out, right? You know, we, we don't eat her often. We might as well try as much as we can. So we start out with a chicken quesadilla appetizer, which turns out to be a meal in itself. Um. And then I saw on the menu they had a breadstick bowl 
or a breadstick basket, which is just four breadsticks. And that's, it's that's like, what I saw on the picture. It's like the, it's the good restaurant breadsticks that they would give you at like Applebee's with your pasta. So I'm like, screw it. I got to get it. Like these things are good. So I got these four breadsticks. And then on top of that, I got the ribs. Um, you probably had a tab. It was, it was some dollars. Let's just say that it was more than one, less than a thousand. Okay. Um, I won't, I won't splurge. I won't uh, give out my personal information there. Indulge uh, the details. Yeah. And you can ask her if you want to know how much my bill was. Uh, Cause she would probably know, but, but yeah, all in all is really good. The uh, breadsticks are also delicious. Uh, cold because i took one to work today and had it with my lunch so yeah good deal uh what was your uh review on the uh chicken bacon ranch wrap after the round on sunday uh definitely had better (laughs) that was my thought that was the that was a weekly portrayed Chicken bacon ranch wrap, if you had to ask me personally. It it, it didn't uh, do the chicken bacon ranch wrap justice, for sure. And, and, you know, I was missing the toothpick that typically comes with the chicken bacon ranch wrap, where they typically they'll cut it in half and then flip it upside down so the loose part of the tortilla is on top, and they toothpick it in so it doesn't fly open. Uh, yep. No, she walks up with our chicken bacon ranch wraps and just throws them down on the counter, and they're just sitting there like a burrito. I'm like, dude, what's going on here? Uh, yeah, there, also, yeah the, the presentation was left wanting. Yeah. For sure. Forgot, forgot to ask for no tomato. Um, yeah, definite problem a, there. So, so I guess I was wrong. Yeah. I did make a bogey after, after my, after yeah, the sixth hole. It was, it was the <laughs> chicken bacon ranch wrap, which is a disappointment because I saw someone have one a couple of days prior and I was like, man, that sounds so good. Why didn't I get that? Um, but what do you do? Just I'll just know whenever that person is working to not order the chicken bacon ranch wrap. Well, in all, uh, when's your when's your next time playing golf? Uh, nine holes tomorrow. Um, took a range session today. Couple Was that of the kids in, uh, in Lake Region. Yep. Um, our boys team, they went out. Our region tournament is in town here. So they came up here and played a practice round today. So the girls were down there and we just had practice. We just hit range. And I figured since I was the one running practice, I'm also going to use this time for me to practice myself. So I did a couple little work on my swing, kind of used a couple tips that Nick showed me. Uh, and so, yeah, I'll play tomorrow. And after that rest of the week is kind of up in the air. Have a, is Saturday our pictures? Sunday. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. We have, uh, some engagement pictures to take Saturday. We got something going on too. I don't remember what it is, but there's something going on. I know that. So is it a grad party? Oh yeah, that is part of it. Um, grad party i might play, try and play golf in the morning saturday or mid-afternoon but yeah i might be able uh brothers and i might be able to get out sunday morning 
Um, I mean, Saturday morning would be perfect, but um, might be busy helping set up for the party. So, yeah, I'll definitely um, not quite sure if that's going to be able to happen. My goal is to try and get 27 holes in this week. Uh, you know, if I can, if I can get 27 holes a week in, I'd be pretty happy uh, until school gets out. We got this week, and then next week we have two days with kids, two days of teacher in service, and that's it. And then done for the summer. Get ready to to go back much, at it next. How year. much coaching do you have after? Uh, we go until our state tournament is June 5th and 6th. So we've got about uh, another week and a half or so of coaching. All right. So, yeah. It's crazy and how fast uh, the, the state mid-am is coming up on me here. Yeah. that's Is that the week before the two-man, correct? Yep. So, yeah, that's, I mean just over two weeks out yeah wow that is Men's coming up starts quick. next week too so that's going to get me some extra holes um and it's actually really nice no longer am i only playing nine holes in men's league i joined another league so i'm playing 18 so that, you're in the pre wins league out. no i'm still doing the cattail league but i'm playing at three o'clock and five o'clock so oh yeah yeah, yeah. so we'd be playing the same nine both times no it's different this time that's that's sick so, so yeah, two different chances to get into skins, two chances to win league. Um, Who's your partner in the three o'clock? Uh, the person who owns the simulator that we golfed at um, oh. earlier this year, where he really? fixes golf carts. Yeah, that guy. Sick. The guy who's uh, his name rhymes with Plan Horseman. Shout out Glacial Lakes Power Sports. Yep. That's the second plug. Third plug today. Golf Metrics, Glacial Lakes Power Sports, and Vice have all gotten plugged in this show. Um, Vice, I'm going to play your golf balls for the rest of my life. You better sponsor this podcast right now. Um, golf Metrics, maybe give us free membership for like a year. Yeah, I don't know. We'll plug you on the show all the time. Uh, if you made it this far in the episode, the bogey train podcast now has a Twitter page. There we go. Today. So, uh, go out, you can follow the bogey train podcast. It is at bogey train cast on Twitter. Typically we are bogey train pod, but, um, didn't work. So it's bogey train cast instead of bogey train pod. Uh, you'll know us from our beautiful blue logo with the golf ball and the headset. Um, you know, we're, we're trying to expand. And I think, I think that we should do our, uh, our what's in the bags coming up here. I think before the two man, we should do yours. And then after I get my clubs that I get fit for, we'll do mine as well. Okay. Yeah. Mine is still shifting around, but with, with the new flat stick in the bag, that'll be nice. Um, I'm also after our conversation Sunday and I've been seeing some stuff online, I'm sort of itching to test a spider and just sort of like, so you, have, you bought a putter and then you want to 
still potentially buy another putter. And then test both of them, see which one I like, and get rid of whichever one. I'll tell you what, spiders are nice. But I've been a spider truther but, for uh, many years. Either that or I could just stick with the Odyssey. I actually made money off the deal, so I sold my putter for That's, more than I made for the Odyssey. So maybe I should just... Profit is the best way to go. Maybe I should just uh, take my... Uh, I, I don't know, quit while I'm ahead or whatever the, the phrase is. I was thinking you should become like a golf club flipper, like how there's house flippers. Just like find a bunch of cheap golf clubs and buy them and then sell them for. That's what second swing does. Second swings margins are insane. Yeah. Well, maybe they should sponsor us, but now they won't because of course, right after we decide to start a podcast, second swing starts to start, decides to start a podcast. Shout out though. They're the name of the podcast is clever. It's a good name. I can't even remember what it is. It's called Second Swing Thoughts. Yeah, that's too good. <laughs> that's too good. And you know, we're never going to get Drew back on I know. because I know. And now, now Drew Mahoney had to he had to appear on our podcast a couple of times and then just go compete with us. So we're we're just like the stepping stone to greatness. And, and and they and they have a serious operation going on over there. They've got a studio. They've got all yeah. this professional video and audio going on. And you know, we've we're got just two this. schlubs from across the river. Yeah. You know, look at look at what our podcast has done. We have we have Noah J on. He becomes a, a co-host part-time. Uh now he's working on Pinehurst number 10 or 11, whichever one they're on. Nine. I don't know. With uh I'm dope. That's like, yeah, that's serious. Stuff. We we have Drew on the podcast. Drew's already doing well for himself anyway. But now he's got his own podcast, which is probably 10 times more popular than this one already. Uh, or 100. Soon enough, we had Lando on the podcast. Lando's probably going to become a singer-songwriter. He's going to tour with Ed Sheeran. All that's going to be left he is us. And then, and then uh, yeah, and then there's going to be us, and we're going to win the Compesco Open. So, again... We've never time. won it. Uh, well, we've we never, never have, it. have we? No. We've gotten second, I think, twice. Yeah. Well, first is the worst, second is the best, honestly. So we'll just be, we're just going to be the state. At an individual level, no one has ever beat me. So, you know, just, just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah. 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 I'm going to be the cattail crossing pro am amateur champion this year. So. Is there, a, is, there, is there any? Ooh, you can live tweet the mid am. How? Oh, I could. There's live scoring. Yeah. I didn't think about that. What you yeah, should do, do is, is just come caddy for me, but you have state or something. Yeah. When is, like, where is that? It's, it's in Sioux Falls, um, the third and fourth. I mean, I have state the fifth and sixth. I would have practice rounds on the fourth. How about if I shoot under par the first round, you have to come caddy for me the second round? How am I going to live tweet if I'm caddying? Well, then that's that's better than live tweeting. Is me having someone on the bag? What about? I don't know. Does All right, if I shoot want to be on the bag for you. No, 
If I shoot in the 60s in the first round. How about if you shoot in the 50s? I'm not shooting in the 50s. Well, darn. Or you could just live tweet it. Or I could just live tweet it. Because that way you don't have to drive to Sioux Falls. I do wish I had a caddy. That would be back-to-back weekends in Sioux Falls, too. That's true. Because my fitting is the weekend before that. Well, then the weekend after that is uh, two-man. In Mitchell. The one and only Corn Palace, South Dakota. 57301. There you go. Old stomping grounds where I went to college. Have we... Uh, we're about to we're about to drift into off the rails territory. Yeah, we about went derailed there. Off the tracks. Off the speaking of off the tracks, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Uh car in town. Apparently a semi hit the light post on the highway today. <laughs> Heard about the, that. Took the light post down, so that's cool. It had a skid steer on the trailer. Yeah. Uh TGC Tours update. I'm doing well. Oh wow, we haven't done that in a while. <laughs> I got Are you still first, playing? Yeah, I got a promotion mark last week. Are you That's still on Kinetic? Yeah. How many promotion marks are you at? One. Oh, wow. I'm probably okay. not even going to get my round in this week, so it's not going to matter. Listen, the weather's nice out. We're doing other things. We barely even have time for the bogey train. Dude, usually I'd play it on Sunday, and I'm like, just every Sunday lately, I've been like, no, I don't want to. It's because that game is not that fun. I don't even know how you stuck with it as long as you did. It's like, not that I, it's not dude, I can I can get four rounds in a week. It's just I have not wanted to. That's the thing. It's because the game is not that fun. I can play like two rounds at a time before I have to stop and do something else. We'll see. I If I'm going to play, I have to get my round in by tomorrow, and I'm obviously not going to play it tomorrow, which would mean I have to play it tonight. But I'm obviously probably not going to play it tonight because it is already 9.45 as we are recording. I have to go to bed, go to school tomorrow. Um, so, yeah, it looks like I will not be playing again this week. And the course kind of looks poop anyway, so I don't want to play it. All right, well... That's Let that's you, all I got. Uh, um, go follow Bogey Train on Twitter, got. Instagram, YouTube. You know at the deal. Bogey Train Cast, right? At Bogey Train Cast for Twitter. At the Bogey Train Pod for everything else. Well, just Instagram. Oh yeah, I suppose. Well, uh, the Bogey Train on YouTube, I think, is the channel. So. Yeah. Hey, we got three different. Yeah, we've been saying we're going to do something on YouTube. We're getting there. You know, production is the production budget is getting opened up. So, what's in the bag will be uh, will be, be fun. Nice. I got to figure out what I'm doing at the top of my bag, but I got to wait until the vices come in so I can show off my. This is yeah, the ball I play. It's uh, it's called a vice, a Vicky, as I like to a say. Vicky. Them things are so nice. Though. Nothing's nicer than a vice. All right. Well, hopefully I'll get around to putting a poll out on Instagram for the uh, two champions dinners. I don't know if we need a poll. Those bulls sound so delicious, man. I mean, you're, I was just basic and I was just like, Oh, honey grilled salmon. You're sitting there. Brown sugar crusted infused 
glazed what did maple I maple pecan glazed with a brown sugar crust or something whatever brown it was it sounded delicious so can't go Shout wrong the bogey train i went on it last week i'm the bogey train of the week everyone yeah. have a good one we both are the first few holes <laughs> we'll see all right i just got stuck in a bogey train mm-hmm.